healthcare costs continue to rise, which is why it's critical to be sure we are adequately insured. This week, we talked to Michael Dinich about this and more. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Bienvenida. This is Jen Hemphill, your host. I am thrilled to have you here and that you chose to join me today for another episode. Today, we are going to talk about a topic many do not tend to think about and include in our financial planning. And that topic is healthcare costs. I'm blessed to be healthy as well as my boys and husbands. So honestly, it is something that we haven't given much thought. And that's the truth. Unfortunately, life can change from one day to another and not planning for those healthcare costs can be detrimental. This is why I invited this next guest to chat with us today. In this episode, you are going to learn what money in relation to time is and what we need to be aware of. You're going to learn how to reduce your health insurance costs as well as what you can do to determine if you have adequate health insurance and how to maintain insurance if you retire early. Let me share with you a little bit about Michael Dinich. He has been in the financial service and insurance industries for nearly 20 years. He believes that dollars are not just money, that they represent moments that you traded for a better future. After serving in the Army, Michael decided to help hardworking people get the retirement they deserve. Michael has also been quoted in The Street, MSN Money, U.S. News, Experian, and other publications. He is the founder of Your Money Geek, where he makes finance fun and accessible. He is passionate about helping people and all things geeky, plus his kids think he's the coolest, usually, right? Vamos a conocer a Michael. Let's go meet Michael. Bienvenido, Michael Dinich, to the Her Money Matters podcast. It's good to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you here as I've been digging into a little bit about you, doing my research on you, and you're another, just an exemplary financial planner that I have found out there. So I'm excited to talk to you, get to know you better and how you work as well. But first of all, I wanted to talk to you and ask you about your money story. How did you grow up around money? What did you see? What did you experience? Those type of things. Okay. Well, my father had, uh, my father and mother had created a, a business when I was a young and I used to ride around with my father. My father would actually drive out to clients' homes and meet with them. And maybe it was during the summer and I'd go and ride around with them. And it was really kind of a neat experience because we would be driving out to uh, his client's home and we'd have an opportunity to talk and he would kind of share with me what it was he was doing, you know, why we were going out there, why he was working. So it really gave me a nice opportunity to, you know, learn about business, 
to learn about money. And, you know, my parents had a really unique perspective on money. One of the first things, you know, one of the first financial books they had given me when I was a kid was actually, you know, The Millionaire Next Door. And I remember reading that. But they also kind of taught me that it's okay to have, you know, if you want to have something nice, it's okay to have it. You just have to be willing to go out and do the work and make the sacrifices to get those things. Love it. Now, your parents' business is also in the finance space, correct? That is correct. Okay. So they gave you this experience where you had, basically, you got to ride around with them, they talked money. So you have that experience of your parents talking money. And what would you and they even give you the book millionaire next door, what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned from them as you grew up? Uh, probably the, the value of hard work. And like I said, that it's it's okay to have nice things if you're willing to do the work. So if you want to maybe have a nice car, if you want to have a nice home, you, you know, you don't have to feel guilty doing that. You certainly shouldn't go out and get, you know, in credit and debt to do that. But if you're willing to do the work and you want to have those nice things, it's okay to do that. You know, sometimes people think that it's extreme frugality is necessary to be financially successful and you should be frugal and but it's about balance there's sometimes where it makes a lot of sense to be frugal and, and cut costs especially on things you know you don't really value personally obviously mm-hmm. it makes sense to cut you know costs and expenses there but you know look if, if you work hard and you want to have you know maybe a nicer car a nicer home you know you don't have to feel guilty about that you just have to be willing to go out to do the work to achieve it I like how you put that because I know in this in these times there's a lot of talk about frugality and that's you know and how we need to save more and, and frugality is a way to achieve that and there's also that talk about you know don't follow the Joneses or living like the Joneses or you know that type of talk but you're right you you can uh, have nice things as long as you're smart about it and you think about your values and what's important because I think what some people do is they feel just because from example and what they see in the media or what they see all around them. And depending on who (laughs) they surround themselves with, that nice extra fancy car is what is deemed what you need to have. But maybe it's really not important to them. They'll find out later, right? So I, I love what your parents taught you. Now, in looking through your blog, I was really taken aback. I really love something that you said. And it reads something about you had what you were taught growing up. And it reads, I was taught in an early age that dollars are not just money, but represent moments, days, months, and years of your life that you traded for a better future, a better future for you and your loved ones. And that really touched me. And I want and I wanted to ask you. Like, where did that come from? Was that a little bit of your upbringing or why is that so important to you? Because like I said, that you don't hear that a lot. I think we get so tied into we have to save and save and save and build wealth that we forget the heart of the matter. And when I was reading that, you really represented humanity a lot versus just the dollar signs. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, the, the dollars that we earn, you know, we earn those by spending our time to get those dollars. And so, you know, it's not just, you know, money is not just money. It represents the time that we spent that we took to get that money. If we lose or waste that money, that also represents time, not only the time that we put into getting those things, but it also represents the time that it takes, you know, to earn back those losses or to earn back that wasted money. And so when you really kind of think about, you know, money as being in time and then you think about maybe things 
you know, maybe a luxury item that you want to spend and you start thinking, do I want to put the time into earning that thing? Is it a big enough value for me or would I rather put that time into doing something else? Right. And how has that thinking, this way of thinking helped you become a better financial planner? Because I'm sure Uh, it has. Yeah, I, I, I believe it has because I, I think that I respect my client's time. I also respect my client's money. And I know that, you know, if, if you if you waste your time, you can't really get that back. So one thing that's very important to us in, in doing planning for clients is focusing on strategies to eliminate unnecessary expenses, because obviously that wastes time. The other thing is to uh, try to protect their accounts and their balances and their retirement, uh, because that could cost some time as well. So, you know, if the losses in the market could mean that they have to end up working longer and they're giving up time that they could have been spending with their family or enjoying their retirement. My own grandfather, he worked for the union. Uh, You know, he passed away, you know, when he was 76. You know, he wasn't retired by a long time. And I keep thinking back to him and his situation. And I think, you know, if he had to work two years longer because he had losses in his portfolio, you know, what would have that looked like? You know, our family wouldn't have had as much time with him as we did in, in retirement. Right. That makes sense. Now, another aspect of financial planning is, especially in how we live in a world where we're living longer, especially women, we outlive men, is healthcare and health insurance and our healthcare costs. So tell me, and this really has just until recently, it's something, yes, you know, I take for granted the insurance. I have taken for granted that we are fortunately healthy as a family. And it's not something that has been in the forefront when we're talking retirement, when we're planning for retirement and putting away for retirement. And it's something that I think we definitely need to think more of. And unfortunately, I've had, you know, (laughs) the light bulb moment just because of a diagnosis that my father has experienced recently where literally his life has changed in the snap of a finger. Uh, so it's caused me to really think and uh, start to think more in terms of uh, health insurance, making sure that we're really taking in consideration health care costs for the future as well, which is hard to do, right? Because we can't, we can't predict what's going to happen. So tell yes. us, like, what would you, you know, how do we start planning for this now adequately. I know we need insurance, but just tell me like your thoughts on this. Okay. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. You know, we like to focus on the insurance because and, and healthcare because right after housing and taxes, you, you know, healthcare is normally most families, you know, one of their biggest expenses. So if we can cut those costs there, then we can free up money for, for additional savings for retirement, for doing fun things, some combination, you know, of the two, hopefully. So we really want to kind of focus about that. And, you know, my, my father has a saying that an insurance is kind of like walking around with a piece of coal in your pocket and when you really need it finding out it's a diamond so the Mm, problem i love that oh thank you uh nobody really likes to talk about insurance it's boring uh it's it's certainly not as sexy as like travel hacking or you know maxing out your credit card rewards uh but it is important healthcare is the biggest reason why you know one of the biggest reasons why people file for bankruptcy and that's not because necessarily those people don't even have insurance it's actually because they didn't have adequate insurance right it's something we definitely want to focus on and think about. 
And the nice thing is there's a lot of programs and everything available right now to define cost-effective insurance. And tell us a little bit about those, if we can go into that a little bit. Sure. So really, the, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, has opened up some opportunities. It's never really been, been present before. It, it used to be in the past that insurance, if you, know, if you didn't have, have employer-sponsored coverage, it was really expensive. So the ACA has made insurance cost-effective uh, because it's subsidized by the government based off of your taxable income, which I, I realize, you know, everyone's thinking, well, tell me more about, you know, tax planning and such. <laughs> so basically, the cool thing about the subsidies being based off of taxable income is that if we reduce taxable income, not only are we going to save money in taxes, and that's always fun, but we're also going to drive down insurance costs. And so by saving taxes, saving insurance costs, that frees up additional money that can be squirreled away for a rainy day, that can be saved for retirement, that could even go be used to go on a vacation or do something fun. Right. So basically, uh, of course, with the Affordable Care Act, it definitely has been great for other some and then for others, it's, you know, you hear, oh, it's been so expensive. So what you're saying to reduce that cost is to reduce your taxable income. And that's how you can reduce that cost. Yeah, correct. And, and and even and what a lot of people don't realize about the Affordable Care Act is it's not only just a function of reducing the taxable income is going to increase the subsidies. Mm -hmm. But also, also, if we can get the taxable income within certain thresholds, it will actually modify the deductibles and out of pocket expenses that a person would have if they go to, you know, need health care. So a lot of times people think, well, I looked at an ACA plan and the deductibles were huge. And it's like, well, that's because you didn't know the tax code. You didn't understand how the programs mm. weren't aware on how to structure structure your benefits. So it's it's opened up a nice opportunity for people that really want to dig into the weeds on this and do the work to, to say, you know, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge for people, particularly do-it-yourselfers. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, these programs vary by state, they vary by county, you know, the tax codes, obviously, you know, fairly complicated. So it's really hard for a do it yourself, or unfortunately, to kind of go in, you know, they really want to find somebody that, that understands the programs that can help them. Right. And no, that's perfect. And so basically, and this is an area that you help people in, like, this is actually a specific service that you offer, right? It is. Love yeah. that. We kind of fell into it kind of securitously because, uh, like I said, nobody really wants to talk about insurance. It's not very, you know, fun and, and exciting. But, you know, we just had this this need where, you know, clients were coming to us and saying, hey, you know, these insurance costs are killing us. What do we do? Mm -hmm. Well, did you look into the did you look into the ACA? And they're like, the AC what? You know, <laughs> you know let me show you how this is going to work. Love it. Love it. And now earlier you mentioned how we don't we generally the mistake people make is also not having adequate insurance, healthcare insurance. So what do you mean by adequate? Like, what does that really look like? Because I know our, I mean, it varies. There's so many different factors, you know, someone can be extremely healthy to others. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. 
not so healthy. So how, what would you say would be adequate insurance? Well, that really comes down to doing a budget and, uh, you know, everyone should be doing a budget and then hopefully people are listening to your podcast are doing a budget, but it really comes down to doing a budget, understanding your finances and, and being honest with how much you really feel you could comfortably handle out of pocket if, God forbid, you know, a major medical emergency arose. Uh, some people, you know, when they're playing, you know, things kind of bite off a little more, they can chew. And then they get into this vicious cycle where, okay, now a medical issue pops up. They really couldn't handle as much as they thought they could. And now they're going and they're tapping home equity or they're getting into credit cards to cover the issue. And then it just snowballs and one bad decision becomes 15 bad decisions before you know it. And, and that's what ends up, you know, kind of ruining lives. So I like to kind of encourage people to maybe think about, you know, maybe, you know, have a little more insurance than you think initially. Start building a reserve fund, you know, hopefully maybe like a health savings account or other accounts, you know, start building up your assets. And then as your assets are building up, as your HSA is building up, then start increasing the deductibles to larger and larger and larger amounts because you have hopefully some, you know, capital there to, to protect yourself in an emergency. And when you're talking about your reserve fund, are you referring to just putting some money aside into just a regular savings or what do you what are you meaning with that? Sure. Well, hopefully people are taking advantage of, of, of an HSA health savings account mm -hmm. if they're eligible for it. The, the health savings account is probably one of the, you know, the greatest savings vehicles we have right now because people can contribute money to the program, get a tax deduction for it. So it's going to save some money in taxes. The money grows tax deferred. Mm -hmm. if need the money for health care, you can, uh, for qualifying health care expenses, you can take the money out without taxes to pay for qualifying health care expenses. And if you don't end up using the money, it becomes almost like an IRA. And at age 65, you can use the money in retirement for retirement income. So that's a real nice, that's a real nice program. If people are already funding, you know, maxing out their health savings account and they're already taking advantage of, you know, the employer matching that they would get on their uh, like a 401k or something, then they should really look at building some cash up in a bank or you know, some sort of safe savings vehicle. And how about entrepreneurs? I know we have some entrepreneurs listening to this podcast. So entrepreneurs have have some additional options available to them uh, other than the ACA, which is kind of cool because, you know, some people say, well, I have some concerns about the ACA. What happens if, for example, uh, they repeal legislation surrounding the ACA or, you know, what happens if they have to assure a couple of people? And so employers uh, have the option if they qualify that they can use partially self-funded plans. Mm -hmm. And so what's kind of cool about those plans was they were they were around before the ACA. They survived the ACA, so we have all reasons to believe that they'll continue to exist post-ACA if they change the rules on the program. And those plans for you know small business owners and entrepreneurs and you know you know freelancers, you know they can generally save between thirty and forty percent on their insurance premiums. Awesome. Well, this is good, good, really good information. So, what if you are thinking of retiring early and you want to maintain health insurance? Well, the big thing is with early is early retirement is um, the ACA has actually really benefited people wanting to retire early because 
they put caps on how much you know individuals can be charged basically based off of age, mm-hmm. which unfortunately created this weird teeter-totter where rates went down for older individuals, but they went up for younger individuals. And the subsidies are based on modified adjusted gross income. They're not based off of assets. So if you structure your assets in a way to produce tax-advantaged income, you can actually retire early and buy insurance very, very cost-effective. No, that is good to know. That's very, very interesting. It's amazing, especially, of course, the chaos or the people not liking the Affordable Care Act. And that has died down some now, but it, you know, used to people loved it or really hated it. But it's, I think it was a lack of also under really understanding the ins and outs, which people like you can help do, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a partisan bill. Mm-hmm. And there was a lack of understanding, you know, it admittedly probably wasn't sold very well, but uh, people are upset about it. Anytime I have to talk about it, I always got to put this little disclaimer in everything <laughs> I say, where I say, like, look, if you're not happy with this, you got to write your congressmen or senators or whatever, because if they're not going to listen to you, they're not going to listen to me. My responsibility is just to tell you how the program works. Right. And how do you can you best benefit from it? Absolutely. Love it. Now, tell us a little bit about what are some steps that as women, we can um, take to just feel more secure? Okay, well, that's a good question. So the big thing is, um, and we've kind of seen this, um, you know, the, the internet's kind of exploded with blogs and podcasts and everything. And everybody's trying to try to carve out a niche on the internet. And, you know, the the big thing to kind of understand is, you know, financial matters uh, impact women differently, but financial problems uh, don't really care about gender. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the most important thing is that people get good planning and you want to get the good planning from people who really understands their situation. You know, women, uh, this is because they are 50 percent of the population. Their financial concerns are as diverse, really, as the financial you know kind of population overall. There's a big difference between a woman who's maybe the breadwinner in a household and a woman who's maybe married to is staying at home and raising the kids and she's married to a roofer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have two completely different financial concerns. Uh, so, you know, what works for one is not necessarily going to work for the other. So they want to make sure that they're getting advice from people that have relevant experience with what they're trying to do and what their concerns are. I'm glad that you bring that up because when I, people know I am not a financial planner, but I have to say that quite often (laughs) just because as an AFC, as an accredited financial counselor, it's not as known as like financial advisors, a CFP. So I I usually tend to get thrown in to being a financial planner, which I always say I am not. (laughs) But what I tell people and when I talk to clients or, or potential clients or people just asking how, you know, what should I do as far as a financial plan? Or one of the things I always say, try to look. Granted, it's not always 100%, but for a financial planner that has experience or is living, like let's say uh, it's a single mom that I'm working with, you would need to find a financial planner, ideally, <laughs> who either has lived that or really understands that, has had a lot of experience with uh, working with single moms. I don't know if I said that earlier, but single moms. Uh, so it, I always say, just try to look for a financial planner who's lived in your shoes, right? Or really understands. Uh, and that's really uh, with the evidence of the clients that they have worked with. Because I think that's really, really important because there's so many factors in financial planning. You can't really be an expert on everything, right? 
No, you it's really, just impossible. It, it is. It is impossible. And, and, and people are people are diverse. And unfortunately, like blogs and, and, and different things on, and are well intended. Sometimes I get kind of get criticized, you know, accused of criticizing the blogs and everything. But most of that content's written for for volume. Mm-hmm. So it's designed it's designed to uh, appeal to the, the, the largest the largest group of individuals, you know, kind of possible, the median, if you will. Right. And, and the problem is we, we have all these people on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. They have different problems, different concerns. And, you know, if you're, you know, let's use, for example, if you're, you know, a breadwinning mom and you're an IT professional and you're making $200,000 and, you know, you, you break your foot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you're still, you know, you're still an IT professional. You can still work. Mm-hmm. If you're a laborer and, and you break your foot, right. right? You know, if you're a truck driver, if you, you know, drive for, uh, you know, delivery, you know, service or something, you break your foot, you're out of work. Absolutely. I'm glad that you bring that up too, as well, because one thing that I always emphasize as much as I can is how personal finance is personal. And you know, that financial experts can have all the wonderful and great advice and I don't take anything away from them. But at the end of the day, they're not experts in you. They're not experts in your specific situation. So that's why it's really, really important to, yes, uh, think about that advice, but does it really pertain to you at this moment in time with your specific situation, right? So I think it's really important. And I know um, as we were talking before recording, you expressed something that I thought was really valuable and the value of financial planning and, and what your thoughts were that, uh, you mentioned that it's really about what could go wrong. It, like you put it in so nicely. So I'm going to let you talk about that. <laughs> okay. So so it's like sometimes I kind of get accused of, of, of kind of criticizing plans or pointing holes in it. But you know, really what I'm trying to do is I, I feel that good financial planning is not about, you know, what happens if everything goes right. What I want to do is stress test the plan. I want to find out what could go wrong. And then we build in the features and, 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 and you know, maybe products and different things that are necessary to make sure that if whatever could go wrong does go wrong and it doesn't end up being a problem. I love that because I think that's important to really to really consider. <laughs> and I love how you beautifully you put that's why I said, I'm going to just let you take over. <laughs> well, this has been fantastic, Michael. I really have enjoyed our chat. I really have learned a lot because uh, health insurance, that is, like I mentioned, we can't possibly be experts in everything. And health insurance is that that's an area that I need to really become more educated in. And this has helped a lot uh, learning more about the ACA as well. And I think you brought a lot of valuable nuggets. So I really, really appreciate you sharing those with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, we did it. We tackled health insurance. I hope you got some new nuggets you didn't have before. Now, if Michael's message is something that really got your attention, definitely check out more of him over at yourmoneygeek.com. I will have that link in the show notes as usual. I do want to talk about this chat with Michael further, but let, before we do that, let's go ahead and get la mención semanal or the weekly shout out. And this week it goes to Morgan. Morgan uh, shared with us uh, the following message, which... I absolutely loved, and you'll see why. She shares, I just wanted to say thank you to Jen and the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm so thankful I found it. After listening to one of the episodes about saving and automation, 
I looked into my bank's app on my phone and found that they had an option to set up automatic transfers. I set up two, one to hit every time I got paid and one to hit every time my husband got paid. We have successfully saved around $500 in three months because of this. I always struggled with moving the money myself because I think, what if we need it for something? And then it would just get nickeled and dime. It's been so long since we've had a steady amount in our savings. I'm so happy we were able to do this and stick with it. Thank you. Loved it. $500 in three months. That's so awesome. So I want to congratulate Morgan. And I hope and I share this with you because if you've been struggling with saving, listen to this message from Morgan. She did it. She was struggling and she uh, overcame that. And I know you can do this too. So I just wanted to share that. Now, let's get back to today's interview. There's so much I loved about it. And I hope that you feel the same way. For me, I had actually three major takeaways. Number one, I really appreciated that Michael provides the specific service of helping people reduce their cost insurance. How awesome is that? This is a necessity, especially at the moment with Affordable Care Act. This is an instance that I would search out a person like him to reduce my cost of health insurance because there are some instances where you fall into that picture where you're According with the Affordable Care Act, you have to pay a a lot of money out of pocket in insurance. So if this is your instance, this if this is you, this is an opportunity for you to search out a person like him, whether Michael or someone else that will help you, that will guide you and help you to reduce that. So that's takeaway number one. Number two is I loved his explanation of how to determine what adequate insurance looks like for you and that it all goes back to the budget. Really understanding your finances and having a clear picture of what you are able to take care of on your own and what you are not able to take care of on your current budget. You know I love that, right? (laughs) That's takeaway number two. And the third takeaway I loved is his philosophy on money and its relation to time. That was just such pure gold right there. Especially if you keep that written somewhere as a reminder, just think about it. It will help you make better financial decisions as you continue on this journey. Earn our time we spent to get that money as well as we lose the time and the money we wasted. So that is a wrap for today. But when thinking about adequate health insurance and having to refer to your budget, that may scare you. Don't feel guilty or ashamed. Instead, grab your free copy of the My Daily Money Ritual as it will help you work through your fear on your budget as well as other parts of your financial life. It's a simple worksheet. It's free that helps you regroup your financial life. And your copy's waiting over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. Next week, we will be talking to Roger Whitney, otherwise known as the Retirement Man. This is a must-listen-to episode no matter what age, whether you're nearing retirement or not, because the fact is retirement, the dynamics of retirement is changing, and we need to be informed. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Michael for joining us, for sharing all the goods today. Make sure to check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 157 to find out where to find Michael and all the good stuff. So don't forget as well, if you love this episode, please, by all means, share with a friend, with a stranger, with coworker, family member. 
any of that because, as I always say, you never know the true situation of that person because they're not going to tell you. So just simply sharing this episode or this podcast, you just never know the impact that it will have. So thanks again for joining me, and I will talk to you next Thursday. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.